Good morning. All right, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2 in a few minutes, so get ready to turn there, and if you have your scripture journals that we've been working our way through, you can pull those out, follow along in your notes, take some more notes as we go forward. Before we jump in this morning, it's a little bit of a special week for us. Uh, this is our fall missions weekend, and if you're not familiar with our missions weekends, we have a couple of these a year, and our missions weekends are specifically focused for us to take at least some time during our morning gathering Focus on what the Lord is doing in another part of the world or in another part of our, even our region, uh, outside of our local church family, and also figure out some ways that we can help and support the Lord's work in those places. This morning, we have special visitors with us, Kamal and Rhonda Kalaif from Amman, Jordan, and they will be sharing towards the end of our gathering this morning. We will have a little bit, for those of you who are in-house, there'll be a little bit of an adjustment there at the end, much like when I uh, was in Jordan last year, and we needed to kind of stop the live stream and broadcasting in order for me to share about what the Lord was doing there. We'll do that again today. So, just in case you get a little antsy, we'll be kind of wrapping up part of our service, but don't go anywhere, okay? Stay here, and we will get to hear from Rhonda and Kamal and the amazing work that God is doing uh, in that part of the world. We also will be giving towards our missions focus. We do this each time we have a missions weekend. Uh, we raise some extra funds outside of our normal giving to be able to give to a couple projects. And today we wanted to kind of let you know what that missions giving will be going towards uh, both this Sunday and for the next few weeks, that tab will be open on our app and on our website, or you can give in person or through the mail if you just earmark it towards the missions weekend. Uh, we're going to have those funds. Half of the funds that we raise will be going towards projects that the Caliphs are working on in Jordan. The other half of those projects will be going towards our relief efforts going forward in Cuba. So you can just keep that in mind, be praying about that as we give today, later, and as we go forward over the next couple of weeks, you'll have opportunities to give towards those two projects. Uh, there are more details coming out of Cuba for us and our relief efforts. Uh, it looks like the places where we will be able to help will be with food and building supplies. So we're going to focus our, our help in those two areas. We have a few people from our church that will be going down there in a couple weeks and the other part of those funds will, again, be going to Jordan with the Calais, and you'll hear more about the work they're doing and where that will go uh, towards the end of our gathering this morning. Nehemiah chapter 2. We've been walking our way through God's people and God's mission. Uh, we've been talking about how God is using Nehemiah, how he has prepared Nehemiah throughout all of his life and through his particular work in the service of the king uh, to be ready to do what God has for him next. And as we look forward here today, we're going to start in verse 5 of chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. We'll go verse 1 to verse 8 in our reading, and then we'll focus in verse 5 through 8 today as we look at the fact that we've been having a theme each week about God's people. Last week, it was God's people have the faith to wait. Uh, and this week, we're talking about God's people have the faith to ask. So today, we finally get to this portion here where Nehemiah actually asks for what the Lord has already put on his heart. But there's been this long time period between when the Lord put it on his heart and when the Lord gave him the opportunity to bring it before the king. Four months of prayer, a conversation with the king. Last week, we ended at the end of chapter or, or verse 4. But let's read verses 1 through 8. So look there with me and follow along. Nehemiah 2, verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and I gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad? Seeing you are not sick, 
this is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad? When the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the providence beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Praying this morning, the Lord will give us insight into his word and speak to our hearts in three particular areas that I'm going to focus on, three specific um, points this morning about this section, verses five through eight. Last week, we talked about Nehemiah and, and how he, as he prepared to come into this next request time, he was patient, he was prepared, and he was prayerful. So last week, those were our three main focuses. Nehemiah was patient, prepared, and prayerful. And now he gets a chance to actually ask. And as he goes in to ask at this point, there's three specific things we're going to talk about. One, Nehemiah's character. Two, Nehemiah's plan. And three, Nehemiah giving credit. Nehemiah's character, Nehemiah's plan, and Nehemiah giving credit. Those are our three main sections here we're going to talk about in these four verses, five through eight. Let's start in with Nehemiah's character. It's interesting as we look at verse five, remember, let's get ourselves back in the setting of what's going on here. Nehemiah is one of the most trusted people to the king. He's the cupbearer. He is the one that basically clears all the food and drink that's going to go before the king. And the setting here is Nehemiah is before the king every single day. This particular day, he looked not happy, which was dangerous for Nehemiah. Because to show up in front of the king and not look happy, the king could take great offense to that and the king could have him killed if he wanted to. Nehemiah shows up. The king asks him what's wrong. And remember at the end of verse four last week, Nehemiah does something very specific and very important for us as God's people. Before he talks, he does what? He prays. He pauses and he prays. And this is one of those silent, really quick prayers. Okay, because you don't want to stand in front of the king with a real awkward silence when he asks you something. You want to answer. But Nehemiah's immediate reaction is, okay, God, give me the words. And then he goes in. One of the things that I want us to focus on as we look at verses 5 through 8 is this. Nehemiah's character his consistent character, his faithfulness, and his godly reputation earned him the right for the king to listen. See, what Nehemiah lived every single day got him an opportunity 
to say what God wanted him to say. And too often I think we kind of have this void in our lives where we're not taking into account the everyday and the everyday actions of our lives. But sometimes we want to tell people, okay, well, I think God wants me to tell this person this. But see, oftentimes that comes into somebody's life. What God wants you to say to them comes in in such a much better way if you have lived a particular way that is respectful to them. See, the king, and remember, this is a foreign king. This is not a God-fearing king. This is not an Israelite king. This is not a king that cares about what Nehemiah cares about or follows the God that Nehemiah follows. But Nehemiah has walked every day in his occupation. And remember, that occupation is as literally a servant in a foreign land where Nehemiah didn't really want to be in the first place. And in that place where God had put him, which wasn't Nehemiah's ideal, Nehemiah was consistently faithful. His character rang true all the way through. So that when he says this next statement in verse five, the king responds by listening. The king doesn't have to listen to Nehemiah at all. There's no mandate that he has to listen to Nehemiah. In fact, the norms, the cultural norms and the royalty norms would say he actually shouldn't be having this conversation with Nehemiah. This is not a regular thing. But because of the way Nehemiah worked every day, because of the way Nehemiah carried himself every day, because of the consistent, faithful character of Nehemiah, the king wanted to hear what he had to say. I think that's a good example for us in today's day and age. We are in a world where, honestly, most of the people around us in society are not people that we would probably agree with as the people of God. But how do we respond as the people of God in that situation? Maybe you're in a job you don't really like. Maybe you're in a job you don't even want to be in anymore. Maybe you feel like you've been stuck in somewhere, whether it's in life, in your personal situations, or your vocation, or maybe where you live, and you're thinking, I just want to get out of here. You don't think Nehemiah hasn't had that thought? Remember how this whole letter started. Nehemiah's brothers have come back to him from Israel. Nehemiah would have liked to have gone with him. He'd have liked to have gone and see what was going on in his homeland, the land of his fathers and his forefathers. He would have loved to have done that, but his job would not allow him to. Instead of hating that, Nehemiah accepted that God had put him there for a purpose. And even though he didn't know what the purpose was until now, he was faithfully consistent to wherever God had put him. Nehemiah's consistent character earns him the ear of the king. If we expect God to use us greatly one day, we must represent him well every day. If we expect God to use us greatly one day, we have to represent him well every day. Don't wait for some big glamorous opportunity to all of a sudden start serving the Lord the way you should. Because honestly, that's not how it works. You won't end up doing it. And God probably won't allow you the opportunity if you are not serving him faithfully every day. God tells us through his word, those who are faithful and little will be given more to be faithful with. Nehemiah was faithful just holding a cup and making sure the king didn't die. 
That's his job every day. Keep the king alive. And he was faithful enough in that that when he showed up one day and had a grim look on his face, the king noticed and then the king listened. This example for us tells us a lot about godly character and trust and faith in the Lord. Nehemiah, he knew that his God was sovereign over all things, including his forced occupation in a foreign land to a secular king. He served in a foreign land, not by choice, to a king that didn't love God. And Nehemiah still knew God was sovereign. And if God wanted him there, he was going to be faithful. Nehemiah also knew that his assignment as the cupbearer had been given to him, not by the king Artaxerxes, but by the king of heaven. Do you see your every day that way? This is one of the great battles in life, right? Because you go to sleep, you wake up, you do what you got to do, you get through your day, you go back to sleep, you wake up, you do it all over again, right? And if that's all you see in your daily life, life's going to get really monotonous and you probably won't be a very happy person. But instead, if you see your everyday activities, both your sleeping and your waking and everything that happens in between as given to you specifically from the king of heaven, that kind of puts a different slant on what you're doing and how you do it. God's people should have such a reputation in our world that when you actually have something that you feel the Lord's put on your heart and you go to ask for it, people should say, I don't have to listen to this person, but I really respect the way they live. So I'll give them the opportunity. And this is with the king. Would your boss, would your neighbor, would maybe your unsaved relative or your unsaved spouse, would they be inclined to listen because they've watched your everyday life? It's a key challenge for us. Maybe you can answer pretty good yes to that. And the Lord's given you grace to be consistent and faithful and godly in your everyday work through the work of the Holy Spirit in you and through you. Maybe you're thinking, I have some things to talk to the Lord about. Maybe you need to repent of some stuff. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to help you live in a different way, talk in a different way, that your life would be consistent across the board, what you say you believe and how you live every day. Maybe the Lord's working on that in your life right now, right as we're talking about this and you're thinking, I need some help. Here's what I would tell you. One, go to the Lord first. Ask the Lord to help you. If there's things you need to repent of, repent. Reopen those lines of communication with the Lord. And if you just don't know what to do next, go find a godly person who's already been doing it and ask them. That's humility. You don't have to figure everything out on your own. I know that's very American. But you don't have to. There are godly people around you in this church family who would be more than willing to help talk to you about what God's shown them over a whole lifetime and how you could do the same. Whether you are young 
age-wise and trying to figure out life or whether you are young in the faith and new to following Jesus, you need to ask those who are respectable and have gone before you in the Lord and get some wisdom on how to work and how to live and how to be consistent and faithful. Nehemiah knew that his God was sovereign. Nehemiah knew that his assignment came from the king of heaven, not the king that was sitting in front of him. And Nehemiah also knew that he was a missionary sent to represent his God to a foreign king and a foreign people. Nehemiah knew he was a missionary. He woke up every day and had to go through customs that were not his own in a place that was not where he wanted to be with a king that didn't love his God. And he knew that he was on mission there. So he knew that the foreign staff he worked around, the foreign staff that worked for him, the foreign king that he served, all of those relationships came back to one thing. Was Nehemiah going to be consistently faithful to his God? And how would that speak to those around him? Because Nehemiah was consistently faithful, eventually God gave Nehemiah the opportunity to do something great for him. And Nehemiah does get to go do something great for the Lord. But that's not why Nehemiah was doing this every day. Remember, at this point, Nehemiah is about to ask the king for something, and he could be dead. The king could say, oh, easy, buddy. You are way out of line. You're asking me for something like that? That's huge. Who's going to check my cup? Who's going to take care of my food? Who's going to make sure I stay alive if I let you go somewhere? No way. He could have told them, no, you have to stay here. He could have told them, no, and I'm going to find a new cup bearer. <laughs> but Nehemiah and his faith was willing to take the risk on what he had prayerfully considered with the Lord, and the Lord had continually confirmed in his life. So at this point, the king says, tell me what you want. Nehemiah's character earned him the right for the king to ask that. Let's look at verse five now. After praying, Nehemiah says to the king, if it pleases the king, see, look here. This, again, is a pagan king, and Nehemiah is still respectful. Nehemiah is respectful. The people of God shouldn't be known for being disrespectful people. That's not the label we're supposed to wear. It doesn't mean you agree with everything that goes on around you. It doesn't mean you agree with everything that goes on in the authorities that are above you. But it does mean when you disagree, you do it respectfully. And then you're probably going to have favor to make a difference. He says, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that's the phrase, if your servant has found favor in your sight, and we know from what happens next that he has found favor in the king's sight, if he, your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And then Nehemiah holds his breath. Okay, it's out. That's it. I just asked for out of my job. And not only out of my job, which is a really important one to the king, but also for the king's blessing to go do something that the king probably doesn't care anything about. 
and he holds his breath. And there probably was a collective holding of breath with everybody else in the room. It's like watching one of those movies, right? And all of a sudden, there's this tension in the scene, and you think, what now? And there's this awkward pause. So this is where the pause comes, and I'm sure... We've, been to, we've talked about this with, with multiple people. You know, when you have a moment where you're in front of people, like I am now in front of you, and there's a pause of even like two or three seconds, it feels like a long time. And that's probably what's happening to Nehemiah now. He asks, he says, I would like that you would release me from my job. You would let me go to Judah, and you would allow me to rebuild the city of my fathers. That's a pretty big ask. And then he waits to hear what the king says. Verse six, the king says to me, the queen sitting beside him. And so in my Bible, those are in parentheses, the queen sitting beside him. And it was interesting, I was thinking, why why is that phrase included for, for one? And why is it in parentheses? It's kind of like a side thought. Well, here's why. The queen didn't always sit beside the king. She wasn't always present. This is a guy who's used to making decisions all throughout his day, every day. That's what the king does, right? People bring stuff to him, he makes a decision, they go carry it out, and then repeat. And he just keeps doing that all day. The queen is not always next to him. The implication here, most commentators will tell you, is because the queen was sitting next to him, this is actually a very informal time. That the queen and the king are together, it was probably just for a meal. This probably wasn't like in the throne room where the king is just stamping decrees and making decisions. This is a personal ask. Nehemiah comes in with the meal, comes in with the cup. The queen's sitting there. This is a really kind of an intimate moment. And Nehemiah says, this is what I think the Lord wants me to say. He says it, and the king responds, how long will you be gone and when will you return? Kind of matter of fact don't you think? I mean, put yourself in Nehemiah's shoes. He asks, he's holding his breath, he's probably holding the cup, it's probably shaking a little bit. And the king says, how long are you going to go for and when are you coming back? Oh, I, I guess I'm going. The only thing the king was worried about is, you're, you're coming back, right? This goes to show you how much the king cared about Nehemiah. He didn't say, yeah, fine, go. He said, tell me how long you'll be gone and when you're going to be back here because I'm not just trusting anybody to be tasted everything for very long. And I probably won't like the next guy as much as I like you, Nehemiah. That's all kind of included here in this statement. How long are you going for when you're coming back? Here's one of the interesting things we see in Nehemiah's response. It says at the end of verse six, so it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. Nehemiah knew how long it was gonna take him. Nehemiah had a plan. He didn't just say, listen, king, I really think I need to go to Judah and rebuild the walls. Well, how long is it gonna take you? I don't really know. Can I get back to you? I don't think that would have gone very well. I think the king would have said, yeah, I don't think you've thought about this enough. You're staying here. <laughs> this obviously wasn't important enough for you to be prepared to answer my questions. So no, this is some pipe dream, Nehemiah. Now you're going to stick by me. Instead, Nehemiah had a clear 
plan. And a clear plan shows us that he had spent his time working on this with the Lord. This wasn't Nehemiah had a dream last night, woke up and said, hey, king, I'd like to do something. Remember, there's four months of praying between chapter one and chapter two. Four months Nehemiah is praying on this, and he's not only praying, and this is something I want to highlight, he's not only praying, he had prayed long enough, and he had been faithful enough to visualize the project that God had given him in great detail. See, we'll see this next, because as he continues to answer the king's question, he's got all kinds of good detail for the king. It's not just, hey, I'd like to do this. And I, and I want to encourage you with this, too. Sometimes we have ideas, right? Maybe you're an idea person. Anybody an idea person? All right, you come up with an idea. Here's the problem is sometimes you just throw that idea out there. Hey, I think we should fill in the blank. And somebody says, oh, how are we going to do that? I, I don't know. Just sounds like a good idea. That doesn't instill, instill a lot of confidence in the people listening to you. The king now knows because Nehemiah was ready for a time period to answer this question. He says, how long are you going for and when will you be back? And Nehemiah gives him a quick answer. This is how long I think it'll take me. And this is when I need to go. And because he was ready and prepared, the king kept listening. See, it's not enough to just have some wild, grandiose ideas about what we should do for the kingdom of God. We need to take the time to work those through and listen to the Lord in the everyday so that when we actually come before and are able to present that, whether it's to somebody that might want to join in with you or whether it's maybe to some leadership in the church family, when we go to present it, there's actually a plan. It's not just an idea. Nehemiah has a plan. He knows the time. King asks him the time. He answers with the time. The king was pleased to say then, you can go. Whoa. Four months of praying, 15 second conversation. Think, think about it, that's how God works sometimes. I love the analogy that I've seen about when we, when we are at work for God and his kingdom and we're doing things for the Lord, oftentimes all that people actually will see is like the top of an iceberg. You ever see this picture? The amount of the iceberg is usually about 70 to 75% that's underneath the water. That's all the work involved. That's all the preparation involved. That's the four months of praying that Nehemiah put in. That's the four months of listening to the Lord that Nehemiah put in. And now we get a 15-second conversation, and all of a sudden he's, he can go. This is miraculous what happens here. It's just a few words on our pages. But it's a massive moment. Nehemiah spent all this time thinking about what God would have him to do and dreaming about it and writing things down and planning and praying and making sure it's what the Lord wanted and trying to be consistent and not flighty about the whole thing. And then he gets before the king and the king says, what do you want? He says, I'd like to go back to my homeland and rebuild the city. How long will it take you? We don't know what he answered. Because I, I can guarantee he didn't answer the 12 years that it actually did take. <laughs> it's, ah, it'll only take me a dozen years. <laughs> Can't be like, nope. <laughs> he probably said, it's going to take me a year to do X, Y, and Z. And the king granted him that. 
And now, Nehemiah gets a little, gets a little more forward. I love this next section because now that Nehemiah sees, you can almost like, I'm putting myself in Nehemiah's shoes, I can almost feel the confidence growing, right? A little bit afraid. He says he was very much afraid earlier, right? I'm scared out of my mind. I prayed instantaneously, and then I talked. And then the king says, how long are you going for? And when will you be back? He says, I, I planned on taking this long. The king says, good, you can do that. And now Nehemiah's like, oh, well, as long as I'm here, I might as well ask for a few more things, right? I, mean, I wouldn't have to want to schedule another meeting with you. So let's just get it all out in the open, right? This confidence that the Lord is breeding in Nehemiah is because Nehemiah is seeing God do great things. And Nehemiah has spent time with the Lord so that he trusts him. And now what does he do? Verse 7, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, okay, Nehemiah's not a dummy. He's still opening up on the, the next ask with the right respect, right? If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And let a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. Nehemiah's all in, pushing the chips all in the middle of the table. Here we go. King says, yeah, you can go. Okay, I'm gonna need protection. I'm gonna need materials. Will you give me those two? Because Nehemiah knows in order for him to even get from where he is in Susa, the capital, over to back into Jerusalem, he's going to go through some pretty tough territory. And people that don't want Jerusalem rebuilt, people that don't want the, the people of God to have a place, enemies of Israel. And he's going to have to pass through there. So he says, King, can you give me some letters so that when I hit the edge of those cities and they come out and say, what are you doing here and where are you going? I can pull a letter out from you and say, here you go. King says, I get to pass. Nehemiah had thought this through. Nehemiah knew what this was going to take. And now he asked for all of it. And not only that, King, will you provide me free passage and safe passage throughout but also, can you give me materials from your materials? Because <laughs> once I get there, I'm not going to have anything to build with. So from the king's forest, will you give me another letter so I can go to the king's forest and say, king says, here's the material list. Send it over to Jerusalem. This is, this is a massive ask with a lot of faith from Nehemiah. Sometimes I think we do sell the Lord short on his own plans. And sometimes God calls us to something that might be huge. And we might think, that might be a little much to ask for. I don't know. The song we used to sing when I was young in the church, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And it's not really only a thousand. That's just a matter of speaking for he owns everything. 
If God calls you to something and you are faithful to prepare and to walk slowly with him and listen and listen to the plan that he is giving you to work out. If you do all of those things well, don't get to the moment and all of a sudden get lack of courage. If he prepares you for something big, if he calls you to something to impact his people or impact the world, when he gives you the opportunity, step out there in faith. Nehemiah was two feet in, all in at this point. He says, I'm going to need to get there safely, and I'm going to need some of your stuff to rebuild my city. Would you do that? And if you've been reading ahead, which I would encourage you to, right? This isn't one of those like, books where you can't read ahead or you'll mess things up. Okay, read ahead. Just go ahead. Read the whole book of Nehemiah, and we'll start unpacking. Okay, just go ahead and read ahead. But if you've read ahead, you know what happens. The king gives him everything. Everything he asked for. King's like, sure, you want a blank check? Here you go. You want some soldiers to go with you to keep you safe? Yeah, you got that too. Take what you need. Go ahead, Nehemiah. All because of what? Because the God of heaven is not short on resources. And we might think that the king's holding the resources, but he's not. Because the heart of kings is held in the hands of the king of heaven. And Nehemiah trusts that. So when he asks, he asks for all of it. And God takes care of it. it says the last sentence, and the king granted me what I asked him. Huge. This is massive. This king can say anything, and anything he says will happen. He could have said, Nehemiah, come on, man. You're getting way ahead of yourself here. <laughs> I'm going to let you go. That's probably enough. Figure the rest out on your own. <laughs> he could have said that. He could have said lots of things to Nehemiah, but God was in it. And even the king, even King Artaxerxes could not defy what the king of heaven wanted. The king granted me what I asked. So Nehemiah's consistent character earned him the ear of the king. Nehemiah came with a clear plan, clear as day. And Nehemiah knew who deserved the credit. Look at the last phrase. Why did the king grant me what I asked? For the good hand of my God was upon me. It wasn't, Nehemiah wasn't looking for credit. He didn't say, well, I did a really good job serving this guy. So now when I asked, the king gave me what I asked. No, no, no. He knew. He was on a razor sharp edge here with the king. And God in heaven took care of it. Not Nehemiah. And Nehemiah didn't want any credit. He says, all of this happened because the good hand of my God was upon me. Nehemiah's character was consistent. His plan was clear. And he knew who, were, who deserved the glory. And he gave it to God. Immediately gave it to the Lord. What does this say for us? What are we, what are we supposed to walk away with from this pretty miraculous whole 
interaction in the king's probably inner chambers and the queen's there and they're having a meal and Nehemiah starts asking for the world. And the king says, sure, go for it. The last phrase is the most important one. The good hand of his God was upon him. See, we can have all kinds of crazy plans that we think the Lord should do and what we think we should do as Christians and what the church should do. And we could have all kinds of dreams and all kinds of stuff. But in the end, if the hand of the Lord is not upon it and not upon his people, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna go where we think it should go. We can work as hard as we want and in the end, the winning ingredient to the recipe is the hand of the Lord. Every time. I pray about things for our church all the time. Like, we have a community right around us that we need to reach. Every man, woman, and child should have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Not just here in North Syracuse. Everywhere. How do we get there? What does that look like? Well, we need a plan. And we need it to be God's plan. And then when God starts checking those boxes and moving that plan forward, we better be ready to make sure he gets all the credit. It's not because we wrote a plan really well. It's because we listened to what he wanted to have done. And then when we have to do those asks and take those steps of faith, it's because he's in it that it happens. So let's learn from God's word here. Let's consider what God's doing through Nehemiah and not, not glorify Nehemiah. Glorify the God who Nehemiah gave all the credit to. And as we pray and consider that going forward, Nehemiah's made the request, he's granted the permission, and now some even more incredible stuff happens as we follow this story along. The God that Nehemiah serves and the God that we believe in and the God that sent his son to die for you and I has no boundaries on what he can do. He can do anything. And he proves it over and over and over again through history. And in your life and in mine. Let's pray for the faith that Nehemiah has. Let's pray for the consistent character that Nehemiah exhibits here. All through the power of the Lord. So that great things can happen and he can get the credit.